From the EBKV studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you're listening to The Angry and Negative Show on Brotherly Pod with your hosts, Angry Jim and Negative Dan. Welcome everybody to the Angry and Negative Show. It's the last one of the 2018-19 season, so we're gonna go out with a bang here. It is the end of the uh, conference finals, which means we have, well, half of our playoff crew back. Uh, Brian Adams of BrotherlyPuck.com joining us this week. Brian, how you doing? I am doing pretty damn well. Um, As a you know, sort of fake St. Louis fan here. I am enjoying the hell out of this run that they're putting together at the end of the playoffs here. It is incredible. And I think uh, most of the nation is probably bandwagoning them right about now, uh, given mm-hmm. the Bruins are the other team. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Otherwise, my co-host, Jim, here as always. Jim, how you doing? Yeah, I'm a little sad. I didn't know that this was going to be the last episode of the season. So now I'm a little bummed out. But, you know, the fact that Craig Berube and Braden Chen have carried the Blues to the Stanley Cup Finals on their backs... I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. I was sarcastic, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it'll probably be the last one until the draft, unless something substantial happens between now and then. But the draft is only, what, four weeks away at this point anyway, so the 21st and 22nd of June, so less than a month. i got to take some time and uh, figure all this shit out with the National Puck sites, but we'll talk about that towards the end when I do the plugs. Yes, uh, Bruins, St. Louis... Uh, Blues in the playoffs uh, in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, you know, not exactly what anybody expected going in. Not super surprised the Bruins made it, uh, all things considered, you know, given what the East looked like going in and how fast, uh, you know, the top teams like, you know, the Lightning were eliminated early on. So, not super surprised the Bruins stomped the Hurricanes in the conference final. Uh, that was, that was, you know, the. Hurricanes were riding the hot hand of Peter Mrazek for most of the season and much into the playoffs. He got hurt in the uh, second round, came back and cooled off tremendously. They got stomped. McElhaney couldn't do anything better, and uh, the Bruins ran him over. Brian, how did you feel about that series? God, I wish so hard that the Hurricanes could have put up a little bit more of a fight there, but that Boston team is just so freaking stacked. They've got probably one of the one of the top three, if not the best, first lines in the entire league. They've got depth at defense with freaking Zidane Chara and uh, what's-his-face fucking... Is McAvoy... McAvoy's a defenseman, isn't he? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it, they've got so much depth there. Tuka Rask is standing on his freaking head every other shot this, that comes his way this, this whole postseason, really. I, you know, they're just... They're too freaking good of a team to really kind of really hope really think that anything other than them winning is going to happen that was the thing that was very noticeable in that series more than anything was the lack of depth of the hurricanes versus the bruins that are a very complete team um you know the hurricanes really got exposed uh, as far as their depth goes and you know outside of sebastian ajo they really don't have anybody their defense mm-hmm. is fine their goaltending was riding hot hand but realistically mrazic and mclehaney aren't anything special uh that was a rough one uh, jim your thoughts you know if if you like if if you like actual hockey you know these are two teams that are, are built i think for the stanley cup playoffs 
Um, I'm, I'm going over some, some scores here. The Bruins haven't given up over three goals the entire playoffs. And if they did, maybe it was one time in the, in the first round series. Um, and the Blues only gave up over three goals, I think it was four or five times. And I think they played some better teams. Um, but this is going to be, I think, a fun, fun series to watch. Um, not sure how boss, like if you look at their roster, like they have that amazing top line. Then they have guys like Krug, Chara and, uh, Matt I think Rask is, has really, really got his stuff together. Um, I think there was like a year or two where at least I was kind of unsure what, what he was anymore, Yeah, but he's back. And like, uh, <laughs> Boston's just dominating everybody. I think they've had a little bit of an easier road to get there, but I mean, you sweep anybody in the NHL playoffs. I mean, that's dominant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as far as – go ahead. Go ahead. No, nah, it's just as far as the Blues, I mean, they're just a fun team. And we can go back to the offseason. They did they did what the Flyers should have done in, in acquiring Ryan O'Reilly and then going out and signing a guy like Tyler Bozak to be your third-line center. I mean, two veteran guys – uh, maybe two guys with something to prove, and you you put them on a roster with guys like Jaden Schwartz, and you have leadership with uh, guys like Alex Petrangelo. Uh, you have a, I mean, everything the Flyers lack, this team has. They got the sniper in Tarasenko. They got the big hulking defense in Colton Pareko. I mean, they they just put it together, and it just so happened they had a, a goalie named Jordan Bennington uh, to call up midway through the season. Going into the season, I mean, they had a phenomenal off season. Uh, you know, the Bozak and the Ryan O'Reilly to add to our already stacked team. And their only question mark was in goal with Jake Allen, you know, being one of the more hot and cold guys in the league. And uh, he started awful. And the Blues started awful because of it. And they fired Mike Yao. They called up Bennington. And uh, they turned it around. And they have been kicking ass since about January. Uh, I don't know how many losses they've had in that span, but not a whole lot. Uh, it's It's incredible what they've done. And But really looking at the roster, it's not that surprising. They have a ton of talent. They're a very deep team. They did a lot of the things that I wanted the Flyers to do this past summer. You know, the Bozaks and the O'Reillys. And, you know, believe it or not, adding good players to your hockey team means that you're going to be a good hockey team. It's a, <laughs> it's a novel concept. Wild thought. I know, Ron Hextall. I hope you're listening to this somewhere. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, the Blues have put it together. You know, the Sharks went on kind of a miracle run there for a while, thanks to the help of the referees for, you know, much of their <laughs> uh, here run. We go. And, uh, you know, it was the injuries caught up to him. You know, Carlson is playing on one leg. Uh, you know, Joe Pavelski had his head sewn back on after getting killed by Cody Eakin in the first round. And uh, they had a couple other sporadic ones. I believe Thomas Hurdle was hurt as well. So uh, a lot of injuries that eventually did them in. And, you know, Martin Jones just couldn't save them this time. Um, but yeah, that, uh, Western conference series, Brian, what do you think? That was, that, that, that was a crazy one because I had been call, I was thinking San Jose was going to actually take that in probably like five or six games just because I was scared of like, just, they, they have offense straight down the lineup really well. They have really good defense. They have really good defensemen freaking from Burns to Carlson to Vlasic. And I mean, the only thing that was going to scare me about that Sharks team was Martin Jones and you know, how he decides whether, you know, decides every other week whether or not he's going to show up. I mean, he showed up every now and then, and I figured, well, shit, if he's going to get hot in the postseason, then, yeah, that's the perfect time for them to, like, actually make a decent run for once and show the Sharks why they should actually have fans for, actually have loyal fans for once in their existence. But, yeah, credits to the Blues. I mean, they're, 
they're fun. You know, they they are clicking at the perfect time of the year. They're all turning it around in the second half of the season. They're 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 getting production down the lineup too. I mean, freaking Jaden Schwartz had the probably one of the worst starts to a season in his career, and he is an absolute man on fire right now. I freaking love watching him. And even if you look at the tail end of the series, you know, Tarasenko and O'Reilly were relatively quiet leading up to the second, the latter half of well, pretty much the playoffs at this point. And they're finally now just starting to, you know, show up on the score sheet a lot more often. And you think, my God, if they're going to get hot now, then it, it, it's 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 hard to pick against them at that point. Bennington's still the absolute man right now in goal ten in, in the goal for them. I it's it, it's going to be a fun it's going to be a fun finals to see them this really hot St. Louis team going up against the juggernaut that is the Boston Bruins. Looking at it here, I believe this is the fourth time in the Blues history they made the cup finals outside of their first three years of existence where they've mm-hmm. lost. I think the uh, first one since 1970. E- yes, 1970. They made it to the conference finals in 2016 before getting beat by the Sharks. So they have this year versus Boston. Boston uh, won the cup in 2011. So, uh, you know, I-, I think anybody outside of Massachusetts is probably rooting for the Blues here. <laughs> I, I I certainly am. I'm not oh, hell yeah. <laughs> not much of a Blues fan. They're kind of one of the just teams I'm indifferent to in the league. But I don't like Boston, so uh, they are they are going to be my pick uh, to win the cup, and uh, hopefully they do. You know, I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of. I can't wait till Flyers Twitter melts down and fucking Brain Shen wins the cup. But um, <laughs> man, the hate on Brain Shen that I've seen, the irrational takes over the last uh, couple weeks here is is fucking ludicrous. Why? Why is everybody so angry about it? Who cares? God, there's no middle ground. I feel like no, oh, no yeah. way. <laughs> it's just people like, are like, "Yeah, he's there." People are like, "I fucking hate the guy. He should be here." I, I was, I liked Shen. I thought he was a, a decent player. I think people expected more when uh, somebody, you know, when they put out he's the best player outside the NHL. I think people thought when he came in, he was going to light the world on fire. You know what I mean? Um, but he, he was a good player for what he was. You know, he put up 70 points last year. He had, I think he had better line mates. He played uh, about two or three more minutes a, a game. Um, I don't think he ever really – I mean, he was always kind of second fiddle or third fiddle. Like the, the Flyers always – they kind of had some better power play options than, than Braden Shen. And um, once he started finally playing on the power play, he started to score some goals. But – you know, he is what he is. He, he brings a physical style. He'll score some goals here and there. Um, I think this year he had a, a down year as far as goals. And, you know, playoffs, if you look at his numbers, I think he has like two goals, uh, two or three goals, seven assists, something something kind of lame like that. But, you know, he, he is what he is. You know, for a long time there, it's like they had Wayne Simmons and they had Scott Hartnell and – you know, other guys that they were choosing to utilize. And Shen just never really had a spot with the Flyers. You know, they tried him around at center when he wasn't that great. They put him on uh, the top line on the left wing with Drew for a little while, and that had mixed results. You know, he was a hot and cold player here. And he would show up and go on a tear for a little while, and you fucking wouldn't hear from him for weeks on end. I I, I didn't hate Braden Shen, but I was kind of – indifferent to the guy when he was here and now i'm indifferent to him because he's in st louis who cares you know 
I think people are more salty about the trade than anything. Though, hmm. oh man, we got Latera for him, man. You know. <laughs> oh, but yeah, freaking freaking Liori Latera is currently the face of that trade because we haven't seen anything of Morgan Frost or Joel Farabee at an NHL level. So that's really all we have to go off of, and naturally everyone's gonna get fucking pissed off about it. And that's the other thing. Then you have the people that you know, like to masturbate these prospects and go, oh man, you know, Frost is here and he's already winning the fucking, you know, Calder and he's going to bring the cup next season. And you have the people like me that don't give a fuck about prospects and go, yeah, well, you know, this trade is fine, but we won't know what it's going to be like for another fucking five years when these guys right. are established players. And, uh, well, you know, like if neither of them pan out and they're absolute disasters at the NHL level, then yeah, you should be pissed off that they traded Shen, but you just, you just have no fucking idea, but... It's it, it's a time will tell thing. You have to wait probably another three or four years before you really grade this trade. Yeah, and uh, you know Laterra, you know did his did his thing here. He was the top PKer for a little while, and he's the life of the party, man. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't even. That's not even funny. I don't even think that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate that. Oh god. Yeah, uh, the Shen, the other guy there, Craig Berube has kind of sparked some debate uh, amongst the Flyers fans whether they let him go too soon or not. Uh, personally, I don't think so. I didn't think, you know, the difference with Craig Bruby here is he had a, just a shitty team in Philadelphia. You know, at least Dave Haxtell had a bit of a roster, you know, to work with that he messed up royally. Uh, Bruby really didn't. You know, he kind of got the transition phase where Hextall was, you know, tearing down rather than building up and before any of the kids were here. You know, I think he got shortchanged here in Philadelphia and they kind of let him go. I don't think he was, you know, anything special as a coach. Then he goes to St. Louis and gets on this stacked team who, you know, was lacking a goaltender and then Bennington got called up and, and turned him around. So I don't really know what to make of, of Craig Ruby. Uh, Jim? Yeah, you know what? I think he's kind of in the middle of what you saw here and, and what we're seeing in St. Louis. Like you said, the Flyers roster was pretty shitty. Um, St. Louis has a stacked roster from top to bottom. And, you know, it helps to have a goalie that has a 1.89 goals against average in his regular season games. He went 24-5-1 and um, postseason. Just wait for my computer to load up. He has a 2.36 goals against average and a uh, 0.914 save percentage. I mean, it helps to have a goalie, like a legit goalie. And then you have, uh, you know, I, I went through the roster earlier, but they have a pretty stacked roster. So, and, uh, you know, they're a bunch of big bodied guys. Like if you think of the blues, you don't, you don't think too many um, small, quick guys on the team, you know? Um, so I think that plays to the way um, Ruby likes to coach. And, uh, you know, Ruby's okay. Like it's hard for me to say the reason for the blues success is the coaching change. Like, Imagine this was the Flyers, right? Imagine they kept going on their little their little run. Would anybody be giving this kind of credit to Scott Gordon? Would anybody want him back? Maybe. I wouldn't. I would say, you know, Carter Hart. Oh, everybody and, would want him back. Are you kidding me? These fickle yeah, fans. You know what I mean? I'm not, <laughs> I, and I'm not saying that Barubi is uh, Scott Gordon, but, you know, he, he didn't have a job for a couple years. He was an assistant coach. Now all of a sudden he takes over. Sometimes, sometimes I mean, dude, he had to replace Mike Yo. Like, come on, man. Like, uh, so you can imagine being a player, you get a guy like Barut, like the chief coming in as your coach. It's like, oh, I better step my shit up. Like, these guys were beating the shit out of each other in practice. And then a couple weeks later, they turn it on and, you know, their uh, Bennington gets called up and they start going on these tears. So, I mean, it's hard for me to give all the credit to Baruby, but I, I do think he played a part, yeah. 
Biddington is a finalist for the Calder this year, along with Rasmus Dahlin and Elias Pettersson. You think he wins? I'd like to see him win, uh, mostly because he's, I mean, he's took his team to the Stanley Cup. He's, and he's 25 years old. How cool would that be to see uh, a 25-year-old rookie win the Calder Trophy? Didn't you know, uh, Panarin just do it a couple years ago? Did he really? <laughs> 25 or 26 when he won it or something? Yeah. Wow. 24 maybe? I, I still yeah. think it's Pedersen's, just because I've had that suspicious feeling all season. But, God, it's hard yeah. to vote against Bennington at this point. You know what? I think if Bennington, if they, if they didn't make it all the way to the cup final here, it would be a little easier to, to pick Pedersen. But, you know, if you want to uh, add up regular season and playoff games, I think Bennington has about 50, 55 games played. Um, so that's basically, I think, a full season's worth of numbers for a goalie. Um, without the postseason, I would I would have handed it right over to Pedersen. How old was Panarin? He's 24. So, a little older, but not quite as old. But, you know, a rookie is a rookie. It doesn't matter what fucking age they are. Throw me in there. I'll win. <laughs> <sighs> Brian, oh, yeah. your thoughts on uh, Baruby? You know, I... I was gonna say, if if St. Louis wins the cup this year, Jordan Bennington's like I I think he's a lock in for the Calder at that point. Like that that's just that's the ultimate sports story right there. This guy just comes out of nowhere, drags his team out of last place and all the way into the winning the friggin' championship. I think that's really the I mean that's really the ultimate way that he's gonna ever you know dethrone Elias Pettersson out of his you know basically guaranteed Calder trophy win at this point. But I mean shit like this this is. I, I know people are trying to talk about, oh, we shouldn't have got rid of Craig Berube, but I mean, th- there is, I, I kind of see it both ways. Like, I see how, you know, Craig Berube gets fired from the Flyers, and then, um, you know, he just kind of, you know, goes and does the assistant job for a little bit, kind of figures out his mistakes, figures, you know, kind of learns and grows from the whole experience he had with the Flyers, especially with the relatively crappy roster he had here in Philly. But then, I mean, I've also, I've also, I've always been a big fan of the phrase "show me a good goaltender and I'll show you a good coach." And it's like a goaltender is going to mask a lot of different issues that a team has, and Jordan Bennington has done exactly that for the St. Louis Blues. I mean, J- Jake Allen was decent. He had one really good playoff run a couple of years ago, but since then, I'd say he's at best an average goaltender in the NHL. And, I mean, Jordan Bennington's come in and really just kind of masked every single other error the Blues seem to make. The kid's got ice water in his veins. He shows no friggin' emotions. If you ever watch any of the videos after they win a game, he's just like, eh, and then just skates off the center yeah. ice with the rest of the team. It's kind of hilarious. But, I mean, I, I, I give credit to both Baruby and Bennington because, honestly, like, if you have the roster as stacked as the St. Louis Blues do— there's no fucking excuse for them not doing anything, and that's kind of why I was worried when the Flyers brought in Mike Yokes. It's like, well, if you can't make that roster work, then the hell are you doing here? <laughs> I mean, gr- granted, he's an assistant with the Flyers, so he's not going to have nearly as much pull. But I mean, just kind of getting back to the Blues here, I, <laughs> I, I give I give equal amounts of credit to both Baruby and Bennington because you know they've done drastic things to turn that team. Hello? I'm here. Yep. Yeah, I'm all right. Here. Get a little technical difficulty there. But, yeah, I mean, they're ro- Tarasenko, O'Reilly, Steen, Schwartz, Shen, Bozak, Petrangelo, Pareko. They've got fucking Jordan Bennington. They're deep. Michael Delzato is a blue? 
Okay. <laughs> Apparently, he hasn't been doing shit for him, but he's on that roster somewhere. What? When did that happen? Wasn't he a fucking duck or a Canuck or something? <laughs> he was, he was all three at some point this season. Del Zato trades. What the fuck? Traded to Blues by Ducks on February 25th. Is that the trade deadline? Huh. Lucky duck. What was he huh. traded for? A 2019 sixth round pick. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think he got, he got sent. I, I think he started in Vancouver and got sent to the Ducks for Luke Shen, wasn't it? At some point uh, this season, Luke Shen in a 2020 seventh round pick. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the ultimate trade of shitty Flyers. Jesus. Fucking Delzato. <sighs> yeah, but the other story here between, and I'm sure this is gonna make all my analytic fans happy. The <laughs> the story here is that we got two big boy teams in the playoffs. Yeah. These are some big physical teams, while the skilled teams like Tampa ate shit in the first round. So maybe, maybe teams being big and physical isn't uh, as taboo yet as people think it is. Huh. Dude, I, I love it. I, I really, I mean, the skill stuff is fun, but, you know, the heart and soul is, is in the bigger guys. Like, you, you want to see teams scrap. You want to see them fight. I like to watch a little bit of defense. You know, offense is cool. It's fun to watch. But I think you see the, the heart and soul and, and the passion really come out when it's actually hard to score goals. You know what I mean? Um, when you actually have to work. And when you get one, is it going to be the last one? Is there going to be a second goal? You know, is, you know can we tie the game? They got the, they got the first or the second goal. Um, I, I enjoy watching that more because when somebody finally does score, it, it means a lot more. Where if it's 5-4, 6-5, you're like, all right, they got one now. Who's going to get the next one? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and, and not that it's boring, but, you know, it's it's – it's it's watered down a little bit a little bit I think when you see six seven goals a game does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. So so when I when you have these two big teams going at it, you expect a war, you expect a battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Boston definitely has some big bodies, man. I'm looking down this roster. I really haven't looked at it. I mean, they made a couple nice uh, trade deadline acquisitions. Charlie Coyle's doing well for them. Uh, even Marcus Johansson's chipping in. Uh, believe it or not. Um, but then you go down the roster and they have guys like David Backus playing against his former team. That's interesting. Is he hurt? Because he's only he only has 11 games played in the playoffs here. The last time I heard now? he was like half dead. I don't know what he's doing these days, but <laughs> it's very possible. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the usual guys like Zidane Char And Boston's fourth line has been playing extremely well. When you could put your fourth line out against the other team's top two lines – that's pretty damn good, man. Well, and it, the Flyers did that, but, you know, it was Yori Laterra and Dale Weiss. <laughs> <laughs> they put them out there. It doesn't mean they were good. <laughs> Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. <laughs> right. There was a, a tweet from Chris Terrian here. Did anyone else notice that the two biggest, most physical teams in the NHL playoffs both reached the finals? Smaller stature players, Marshawn and Swartz, played their 6-5. Last, uh, same last year with Caps Vegas. Four rounds, he requires a lot of physical pain. Naturally, he was jumped by the people that go, But Chris, you're fucking <laughs> analytics, man! And, and I had a tweet very similar and was jumped on by multiple people that, Oh, analytics, oh... It's just, uh, there's more to hockey than made-up numbers. 
it's the team fucking nine out of ten times you're gonna have teams like Boston that make it every year. The Caps were the right. same way last year. They were a physical team. You can have finesse all you want. You know, this may not be the days of the fucking Mike Rathjees roaming the earth. <laughs> you know, those days are gone. But to pretend that physicality and size is not a factor anymore is bullshit. We're, it's, it still matters. I mean, look at how badly the Sharks got roughed up against the St. Louis series. Yeah. Like, people are talking about how big and bad of a team St. Louis is. And yeah, they freaking showed it that series. They got you, they managed to knock out freaking Hurdle and Carlson and questionably Pavelski for a lot of for a lot of the time there it's like yeah clearly physical play means at least something going forward in the NHL it, it, it does and I just I, I don't I don't know yeah I, you can have finesse guys on your roster but your whole roster can't be 510 guys that are 150 you know hmm. you need some size you know you look at some of the yeah. smaller guys look at Tampa Bay you know when they won their cup in 2000 what was it 2006 2007 they, you know, sure, they had Marty St. Louis, but they had Vincent LeCavier, who's 6'4", 220. You know? He's a big dude. They had this size and they yeah. had the skill. Granted, that was, you know, over a decade ago and the game's changed since then, but it's still the same thing. You need the size and strength. You can't be... Look at the first round this year. Tampa ate shit because of the Blue Jackets, who just went in there and roughed him up the whole series. You know, the finesse of the blue, uh, the finesse of the lightning didn't work. God, I just fucking this shit it will annoy me till the end of time. Right. <sighs> it's just like it, it, I wish you would realize that, like, I mean, are fine by themselves as a complimentary thing, but don't just live and die by them. They don't tell everything. They just it, it, it's basic statistics. You can use them to tell whatever the hell you want, but if you live and die by them, you're gonna have issues. I think statistics are fun, but ultimately. Like the player has to go out and play the game. Like you, you can't just look at yeah. like you can't just look at stats and be like, oh, this this guy's going to be good. Like let's get him. Like uh, you know, you have to look at other things. Like for example, like oh, he could he could be the team's leading scorer because he plays the most minutes on a shitty team, something mm-hmm. like that. You know what I mean? So I mean, stats are cool to look at, and I do think they play a part. But ultimately, like you don't need them to to, to decide if a player is good or not. I don't think. Um, so, yeah, that, that's what I have to say about the analytic stuff. They're fun, but I don't think they're the number one thing in deciding if a player is, is good or not. You can look at analytics all you want. Oh, God, and, no and, way. And, and, and I, I've spent enough time, you know, in this business where I do, you know, I understand what they mean. I just don't care. You know, and, <laughs> and there's so many people that fucking live and die by what those numbers say. Which brings me to a tweet. Aha. Yes. <clears throat> From... Dan, the number one Sam Moran fan. It's almost like analytics are bullshit and people shouldn't live and die by them. Huh, weird. And I got, usually I don't call people out in the show, but I'm going to call him out. Ted, that guy, 11920, <clears throat> replied to me. He's been dismissive of analytics for years, a.k.a. information. Forever. Personally, I aim to take in any and all info, whether it be with my eyes or via objective data. There is a danger of missing some value info in both and... Info if both aren't investigated in conjunction with one another. That's fine. Except when you fucking live and die by these numbers like he does, you're not fucking looking at what's going on on the ice. God, I fucking hate people that live and die by analytics. (laughs) Ah! Easy over there, dude. Easy. Shut the hell up. (laughs) 
information. Do you think maybe we could get Teddy on this on the show sometime? I'm telling you what. We are going to reach out to him when we do our fan fest in July. But I think he actually is a good dude. I think he just really likes analytics. He's like, analytics. which is okay. Shove him up his ass. <laughs> God, I hate analytics. Dumb. Just fucking look at him and go, oh, that's great. Like I do. I look at him, oh, great, the Corsi, oh, fucking fantastic. You have these scientists go, oh, well, the Corsi of fucking this player means he's better than the other one. Fuck you. Uh, is that where all this Jared Spurgeon stuff comes from? Yes. Jared Spurgeon. Because... Let me tell you a little story about Jared Spurgeon. No legit rumors ever, ever, ever came out about him. Not hmm. once. There was never any legit rumor of him coming to Philadelphia. That trade was made up by Flyers Twitter for Flyers Twitter because he was the best defenseman on a team yeah. that Chuck Fletcher was a GM of. And he's got and some good analytics. Good. Yeah, and his fucking course he's good. His fucking Fenwick, man. Looking good, man. Fucking God, I hate that. I pointed that out multiple times on Twitter, and people still talk about it. Oh, Spurs, we need to get Spurs in, man. He's he's never stood out to me on that team ever. Like I I don't get like what because he he controls the puck. He's just he can... a guy, as far as I'm concerned, and he's already talked about wanting to resign with Minnesota. He's there for two more years at at, yeah. at the least. He's got two years left, and there are already talks about him wanting to stay. And I want to know, like, if if he's this good, oh, if he's God. that good, do you think Minnesota doesn't know this, and they're not going to want a shit ton for him? And what are you going to give up for Jared Spurgeon? And there's the other thing. Those same people that live and die by analytics, they don't want to give anything up in a trade. We can't trade draft picks, man. We're going to need a man. We need that seven fucking round <laughs> pick, man. Package, uh, uh, we, we, need a good, we need a good player in like two years from now, man. Yeah. Except for we like actually need to compete now while we have Drew and Voracek actually good. Oh, God. Yeah, Which brings me to a fucking... Uh, I saw somebody wrote an article about Colin Miller. The other day, who is a <sighs> fucking third pair defenseman with the Vegas Golden Knights, seeing eleven minutes a night, and they wanted him with the Flyers <laughs> because his analytics are good. Can you imagine? He only plays eleven fucking minutes. Can you? I, I, okay, I'm getting to that. Can you imagine <laughs> if the Flyers bring in a guy like Colin Miller, who's just a guy? Can you imagine how long is it going to take before they skewer him for fucking up? Five games? Oh, Ten he games? God, he would be the instant scapegoat. Yes! He'd be the new freaking AMAC minus the contract bullshit. His analytics may be good, but he doesn't bring anything else to the team. He's going to be, you know, Robert Haig 2.0, except he won't hit as much. And they're going to turn on right. him immediately. I'm not oh, even going to look up any information on Colin Miller. That's, I'm not even, <laughs> why not... Colin Miller? Why? Because his <laughs> analytics are good, man. His Fenwick, man. Isn't he kind of older? Wasn't he like a sixth or seventh defenseman with the Bruins? Yeah, and then he went to Vegas in the expansion yeah. draft, and he's a fucking sixth or seventh defenseman there, playing 11 minutes, but his fucking possession numbers are good. So they won him with the Flyers, and he'll come over with the Flyers in a fucking trade and get blown out of the water, and the fans will turn on him in 10 games. And he'll be the this new the fucking whipping like, boy. I don't want any more. I don't want gambles. Like, go out and get the fucking stud. That's what this team Seriously. needs. That's what I want. I don't. I don't want eleven minutes a night. Colin Miller, good Corsi. I don't want five foot nine Jared Spurgeon, twenty nine years old, getting paid five million a year. He's going. He's going to play on the top line. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and, I don't want players like that anymore. No, and I talked about this on OMB podcast on Monday night. 
there's no room for a mediocre bring in this summer. I do not want to fucking sit here in October and be like, oh, well, they brought in a fucking Boyd Gordon, man, and we're ready, you know. I, I, I can't. I can't do it anymore. Go. We brought in a guy who's going to score the first goal of the season and then drop off forever. Are oh, you fucking hiked? Like, I just, I can't. Go. Bring me Eric Carlson. Bring me Artemi Panarin. Bring some legit fucking firepower to this team, and let's start building something. We can't fucking delay anything anymore. I can't do another five years of this bullshit. Yeah, for what? They have they have the ammunition. They have the cat. Let's go. And they have a fucking eleventh overall pick too. Trade that shit. Oh, I I am fully behind trading that. Fire that bitch. Fire it away. Fuck yeah. Let's read another tweet here because I saw this one earlier and it pissed me off too when we got to this topic. Been saying this over and over. Joel Farabee has elite potential and he was a 14th overall pick. Are people really that interested in moving an 11th overall pick in a forward heavy draft? Yes, I am. I don't I need am. any fucking more prospects. You got Let's enough see. here that can't even fit on the roster as is. You That's realize good. that the, that what this team needs is NHL-ready talent. A draft yes. pick, unless you have the top three pick, they're not going to be ready right out of the gate. Like Chances are, if you have anything outside of the top three, they're going to take at least a solid two to three years to really come into their role on the team. And this team needs to compete now if they want to be anything other than just aggressively mediocre. It's... <laughs> Listen, if they were getting Jack Hughes or, or uh, Jim's favorite, uh, Kakpo Kako, <laughs> then you know what? Fine. Kakpo Kako. But, like, <laughs> just some 11th overall guy that we're going to wait five fucking years for and is going to take time to develop. And maybe by the year 2030 rolls around, we'll see what he actually has. It's just, I don't need that shit anymore. You need NHL level talent. Oh. You can't keep relying on this promise bullshit. Oh, man, Morgan Frost in five years, man. He's going to be good. We need to promise, man. He'll be good. He'll be here. Great. We still don't know Morgan Frost is going to be an NHLer. Who knows? Maybe he never makes the jump. Maybe he does. Maybe he's great. Maybe he's the fucking next Crosby. But he could also be the next Boyd Gordon. You know? <laughs> Who knows? Just because he's a fucking top guy and he's tearing up juniors doesn't mean he's going to succeed at the NHL level. I maybe he will, and I'm sure he will, but maybe he won't. And then what? What happens if we go this year and we draft somebody with eleventh overall pick and we wait five years and they're nothing? Bring in a fucking NHL level talent and make this team competitive now. This Ron Hextall mentality of waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting has to die. Yes. Fuck. Make the Flyers great again. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Fuck. You got Carter Hart out there. You got this young defense core that looks like they have all bunch of potential. You got a relatively decent offense that needs a little bit of help. Like, the core pieces are here. It's time to stop playing, and it's time to win some damn hockey games. You made a really good point there, bringing up Carter Hart, because he's on. A, he's going to be on his rookie contract. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm not sure for how much longer. Two I want to say maybe... How many? I believe it's two. Two, okay. So, I mean... Add as much talent as possible while he's making that kind of money. I mean, I'm sure he's not going to sign a, a monster contract for his next, excuse me, his next contract. Um, but within the next five years, they could. And I'm not saying wait five years to do it, but you know, if they put a roster together and start now, they could really, really, you know, they could make a run 
uh, within the next two, three years, and, and you know, maybe people will laugh, but they make the right moves. I don't think this roster is that far off. No. I would say maybe no. two, three significant moves, and, and we could have something for real. I was not a big fan of Scott Gordon, but he utilized the players well. He yeah. utilized what he had well. Now, granted, the Flyers were DOA by the time he ever got his hands on them, and you know he didn't exactly ins- you know install a great system, but he showed what you could do with this roster. Well, that's already here, and they were close. What, what did they finish? Five points out of a playoff spot or something? Or, or yeah, something? not much. Uh, you know, at least they were close. Then the last five games, they took a complete face plant there towards the end. But yeah. you know, they were close. They were with always within five and seven points, and they they never really got within striking distance. But you know, they were five to seven points away for a long time. You know, if they won some games earlier on, if they didn't have that eight game losing streak with Dave Haxtell, if they didn't wait to fire Dave Haxtell till the middle of December, they very well could have made the playoffs this year. You know, granted, they would have faced somebody like Tampa, who I don't know how they would have fared against. You know, fucking Columbus beat them, so I guess there was a chance. But, hmm. you know, it's like you just got to get into the fucking... When was the last time the Flyers had a competitive playoff run? Fuck! They got stomped by the Penguins last year. Last time they made it was the Capitals in 2016, and they got crushed in that series. They they made it to Game 7 against the Rangers in 20... Was that 15, 14? I think yeah, 14. Like 14. Yeah. Then they had the uh, they beat the Penguins in 2012, and then got crushed by the Devils in the second round in 2012. So it's like, fuck! How long was 2012? Seven years? Jesus, man! Yeah. I might not even be alive for another seven years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I keep following this team, I sure as hell won't be. Jesus. Oh my god! I need a fucking drink. Hey, yeah, fucking Brian's drinking over there. You ever have oh, a shrub? Yeah. You ever have a shrub before? A shrub? Yeah, I I asked for. I've been on a big cider kick lately because I can't drink beer, and uh, I asked for one yesterday, and she suggested a shrub, and it was shrub. one of the most amazing things I ever had in my life. It was interesting. I've been on she, a cider kick lately too, actually. Oh my god, they're so refreshing. You could just they drink are, them, like forever. Yeah. Cider shrub spell or talk yeah just just shrub I, I tried every one they had they had like three or four three or four flavors and i had each one Cinnamon twice apple cider shrub Ooh. so so effing good interesting yeah i had to switch it up because i've just been on a vodka kick lately and that hasn't been good mm. we have to do one of these shows drunk <laughs> oh god angry negative and drunk that'd be great yeah. <laughs> Maybe this won't be the season finale. Maybe we have to do one more, just completely shit phase. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad idea. That's a really good one. You know what? We'll get fun. fucking drunk and then we'll invite Ted on, and I can really yell about analytics. Then. <laughs> there really won't be any filter. Poor Ted. Ah, oh, fucking bastard. Uh, let's see. Where are my fucking notes? Uh, they're on Twitter because I deleted my notes. I don't have anything written down. Uh, let's go over our predictions for the last round. Brian, you're going to have to play Michael because I never did get your predictions even though I wanted to. I never got around to it. Uh, yeah. The Boston-Carolina series. Jim had Boston in five. I had Carolina in seven. Mike had Boston in six. So, okay. you know, I went with my heart, not my brain, and uh, huh. didn't work. Yeah. Jim was close. Boston in Always five. In the closest of the bunch. In the West, uh, the... Blues 
uh, Mike had the Blues in six. I had uh, Jim and I had San Jose in seven. So I really just... would have liked to see Thornton against the uh, Bruins there. That would have been a cool story. That I just that would have been fun. I just the Sharks, even with the refs' help, they just they were they had so many damn injuries. I don't know if the uh, total has come out yet overall, but uh, they were. I mean, they were going on half speed there towards the end, and poor Eric Carlson, man. Mm-hmm. He looked – it was painful watching him in the last couple of games there, that poor guy. I think he has a torn groin or something or some kind of leg issue or groin. I forget what I saw. but He's basically skating on one leg for the yeah. second half of that series. It was it was hard watching him play. and yeah. I, Personally, he needs surgery. He needs to rest. I would still sign him. I don't know if I would sign him long term, but – yeah, I I don't I don't I would love him on the Flyers. I don't know if I gave him anything more than like four or five years. I it, Jim and I talked about a little this a uh, little bit about this last week. He would be the perfect guy to mentor guys like Sanheim and Myers and Goss Bear. Oh my like, god, that'd be fantastic! Like who better to learn from as an offensive defenseman? You know, a, a two way offensive defenseman than somebody like Eric Carlson. You know, even mm-hmm. if his play wouldn't be at that level anymore. You know, having him teach somebody like Stan, I'm out of play. My God, I would do it. That'd be worth the cap alone. Yeah, I, you I, know what? Yeah, he's like a he's a fun guy. Like he's a lighthearted guy. Uh, I think that's. I think guys like that are really important. But he's he's lighthearted in a positive way. Uh, does that make sense? I'm, and I'm thinking yeah. about some of the guys that are on the roster now, who maybe they're lighthearted, but they're jerk offs. Does that make sense? So I think a guy like yes, Eric yeah. Carlson could bring a certain presence to the room. Who he's he's a professional, you know. He carries himself well. Uh, he's he's a confident guy. He's charismatic. I think somebody like that is important to a locker room when things start to go south. You know, um, he's he's an older guy. He's a veteran, and, and he, you're right. He would be perfect for these younger guys uh, to to learn from. And he's got great hair. He does, and I like when he does that little twirly thing with the mustache, too. (laughs) I think he's probably going to be one of the more interesting people to watch this summer in terms of what he gets. Mm -hmm. You know, there's going to be some team that's going to pay out the ass for him. Uh, No questions asked. He's still one of the top guys in our sport today, you know. But reasonably speaking, I would take him at five years at $10 million. Oh, I'd do it. I'd do it. I, I would hesitate to give him seven when he would be in his, you know, uh, mid-late 30s at that point. What, 36, 37 at that point. So I would be hesitant to do that, but I would give him five years of $10 million in a heartbeat for the experience yeah, alone. <laughs> for, for what experience? The Eric Carlson experience? Yeah. Like for us, you mean? Yeah. I need something. Oh, hell yeah. I need some happy thoughts in my life, Jim, all right? Yeah, he's a good-looking guy, too. Can you imagine a defense pair, the top pairing of Eric Carlson and Samuel Moran? My God. <laughs> why, did I, why did I think you were going to say Provorov? I, I should have known better. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> How long have we been doing this, Jim? <laughs> and that still got me when you said Moran, God damn it. Every time. Yeah, I wish it would stop. Yeah, it's never going <laughs> to stop, Jim. God, I could still see that being pretty goddamn good, too. That'd be a great pair. <sighs> Man, I can see it now. You think you have Provorov, Sanheim, and then like Moran, Carlson right behind it? Like ah. that's that's pretty scary. And Goss just bear Myers. I mean, fuck, that's a perfect six. Shit, God yeah. Damn. 
And that's the thing too. Everybody's forgetting about Phil My uh, Phil Myers here. I know yeah. he's going to be on the roster next year, and he's going to be a stud. Yeah. Everybody was so excited about him, and now you don't hear anything about Phil Myers. I mean, I know he played in twenty-something games, goal and an assist, but uh, he, he didn't stand out in any. <laughs> he didn't stand out in any sorry. bad ways. <laughs> no, I think he'll be. I think oh, he'll be God. just fine going forward. <laughs> you know, there is one person talking about him. Me. This week's issue of Brotherly Puck Weekly. I talk about his uh, yeah. addition to Team Canada. Check that out now. Front page of BrotherlyPuck.com. There's your cheap plug for the episode. <laughs> I'm going to check it out right away right after <laughs> the episode. And then you can read, oh, yeah. also read about uh, the Flyers signing John Van Biesbrock over Curtis Joseph in the summer of 1998. Uh-huh. Which fucking pissed me off when I was writing that because I... Oh, God. I do that to myself a lot. I write these history pieces and then I'll come across something. It'll just absolutely piss me off that the way that that was handled and fucking Bobby Clark signing him. There was also a rumor I have yet to hear about. I talked about it on OMB once that the Flyers were interested in signing Mika Kippersoff. And I was like, God damn it. Why didn't this happen? Oh, God. Go on. God damn it. Is there more? I would like to hear about this. Mm -hmm. The Kippersoff one? Yeah. I've, never, I've never found any official word about it, but apparently that was a rumor. I, I keep searching. I've never found anything that there were any official rumors. But goddamn, that would have been... Uh, that would have made yeah. my childhood fucking special, man. Instead, we got fucking Brian Boucher. <laughs> you didn't like Boucher? No, not really. He's a huge Robert Esch fan, though, if you can tell. I stole his last name. <laughs> you did steal his last name. But, you know, is this my computer making that noise? God, it is. This thing's going to blow up. Hmm. Oh, well. If it blow up, maybe catch some shrapnel and die. <sighs> I can only hope, right? Yeah. Yeah. Send some of that shrapnel over here. <laughs> <laughs> Redirect it down there. Oh, let's see here. Craig Brew, we already talked about him. Talked about analytics. I already went off that rant. Fucking <clears throat> blood pressure's high now. The ideal. Uh, okay, let's ask a question here. We'll go. We'll do a round table and start with Brian. What is your ideal off season for the Philadelphia Flyers? Hmm. All right. So clearly, there are two very glaring needs that this team needs right now. It's the two C, and they need a top four defenseman somewhere in there. You guys were talking last episode about Voracek for PK Subban. That's a spicy trade. I'd be all over that. I would love to see that because, I mean, that gets a lot of frustrating turnovers out of the lineup and also adds a defenseman who's been there, done that, who's been, who would be an awesome mentor to a lot of the other offensive defensemen, just like we were saying about Carlson. I think he'd be a freaking, I mean, not just all of the, the experience and the fact that he's a really good freaking player. Subban would be fantastic in a Flyers uniform. He would fit the Bills so freaking yeah. well in Philadelphia. So that trade would be fantastic. And like, I think the second, so the second move could go up one of two ways for me. They either sign Matthew Shane in free agency or they send an offer sheet to Braden Point. I think if you're going to offer sheet anyone this offseason, you target Braden Point. I, th- I, I know people are talking about Mitch Marner and all this, and he's a fantastic freaking player. I'd love to see him on the Flyers, but you have to think both of them are really great and... Braden points actually a center, so you can actually fit. You can fill that two C hole right away there. 
And then why why you would get Marner if you got Marner, it would be great. But he's just kind of another winger that you have to slot somewhere into the lineup where they where the Flyers actually have a decent number of like good players lined up. So I think either offer sheeting, bring point, or getting Matt Duchene as the two C is probably the you know the the, the the way to go to fill the two C hole. Anything other than that is kind of auxiliary for me. I'd love if they could fill the third line right wing with somebody like Jordan Eberle. I think he'd be a really good add to that third line. You think you got somebody like you know, if all this if all this comes to fruition, you think you probably have somebody like Nolan Patrick and then JVR and then Jordan Eberle as your third line. Yeah, that's that's scary. Yeah, that, so that's I a solid behind all those. I think Eberle would slot in well in the third line, especially at this point in his career, where he he's still capable of chipping in goals, but he certainly is not, you know, the the, the guy that he once was or was projected to be. So I think he can yeah. chip in some. I don't know what uh, caught me off guard with the Eberle one. I don't have any of his stats up. Uh, who the hell is he playing with now? Islanders. He just finished up with the Islanders. Yeah. What's his uh? What's his uh? Corsi. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> uh he is coming off a oh it doesn't tell me what they're coming off of anymore fantastic oh i have to click on fucking jordan Eberle. he is uh wow he was on a is this right oh this is entry-level deal no wonder why it's not right whoa he was coming off a six-year six million dollar contract so six million a year that's not yeah, I don't know what his numbers were. Fucking Jordan Eberly. Jordan Eberly. 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 Just like Fredericton. 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 He's played 666 games. Neat. 666. We don't, we don't need him. He had a. <laughs> it's an omen, man. He had a 19 goals and 37 points this season. So my guess is he's making a lot less than six million a year. I would think. So I mean, if you can snag him for a couple of years at three million, three and a half, I wouldn't hate that. I'd be down with that. Chipping 20 goals from the third line, I wouldn't hate it, it at all. I mean, if you think, and especially if you think if Patrick and JVR are his line mates, he's in a pretty good. He's in a pretty good spot to produce. Hmm. Jordan Eberly. Eberarily. Anyway, Jim, what are your what's your ideal Flyers offseason? So I don't know if I have specific players in mind, um, but I would like to see them get first and foremost a second line center. Um, I would say if, if that was the only move they were able to make this year, as far as adding to the roster a significant addition, I think that would be a massive move. Um yeah. And it would need to be a playmaking center. Uh, I saw somebody post something retarded on Facebook uh, about Brock Nelson signing for six years, six million. Hmm. And, and like the title was like, oh, there's a 2C off the market. And I'm like, motherfucker, I don't want Brock Nelson anyway, dude. <laughs> no. You know I saw some I hot takes today on Twitter, too, about that. And I was pulling uh, my hair like, out. Get out of here with Brock Nelson. Like, any sign for six million for six years? Are you kidding me? Uh, so, I mean, that, that signing there kind of makes Hextall look like a genius, you know, with, with the Coots contract. Uh, but I think mm-hmm. ideally they, they do need a playmaking second-line center. Uh, obviously, the first name that will come to mind is, is Matthew Shane. Uh, I do have some concerns with that, though, because I think uh, there's not enough leadership for, to bring on a, a player of his kind of 
personality, if, if you will. And I don't mean to get all weird with that stuff because I know all that matters is the hockey thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I think he succeeded so much in Columbus because of the leadership that they had and he was able to just play his role. Uh, here, you know, I'm not sure if they would expect him to be more or not, but I think a player with his skill set would be ideal for this Flyers team because you had, like we've mentioned, I feel like every show they have the guys that can put the puck in the net. They have a bunch of complimentary guys. They they just need another guy that can kind of stir it all together. And I think if they can fill in that second center gap, that second center hole, they'll have two legit scoring lines, you know. Um, the other moves that I, I would like to see them make, uh, if they could get a top 4D, it doesn't even have to be a top two, um, but whoever they bring in, I would like them to be a vet, you know, a 28, 29-year-old 20, guy. He's been around, the, been around the league a little bit. Uh, he's been deep in the playoffs, knows what it uh, – I want him to be a worker, and I'm thinking like a, a Jason Smith type guy. I know there's not a lot of them around anymore. Just bought um, his jersey, by the way. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I loved when they made him – like they had a ton of skill on that team. They had a lot of young players, and, and they made Jason Smith the captain. I think he was only captain for like a, a year or two, right? Was he captain for a while? One year. He was yeah, only here for I, one year. Yeah, but I mean, a guy like that, he's a hardworking player. He's never going to take a shift off. If they can bring in a guy like that to play on the, the top four and then, you know, hopefully somebody surpasses him or whatever, he ends up playing third line, that's fine. But just just some leadership and a guy that can contribute a little bit. Um, because, uh, you know, I think the player that comes to mind on the team now is, is Gudis, and I'm not sure how much of a leadership role he plays on the team. Uh, the third move and maybe more important than the fourth uh, top 4D would be some kind of a, a sniper that could put the puck in the net. Uh, I just happen to be looking over Minnesota's roster here, and I, I love Jason Zucker's game. I'm not sure if it's possible to ever trade for him, but you know another name that comes to mind who they won't have to trade for is a guy like uh, Jeff Skinner. Uh, I think he'd be perfect to play on a line with a, a guy like Giroux, maybe Coots, uh, and just go ahead and score 40 goals a year, dude. Hmm. Nope, I, I'm not going to be mad at that. You know, bring in a guy that can put the puck in the net. Yeah, that's that's about where I'm at as well. You know, name-specific aside, you just can't settle this summer. You know, you yeah. got to bring in firepower for your forwards, and you got to bring in a top guy for your D. You know, if we sit here in fucking October and they bring in, you know, fucking Colin Miller and Valtteri Filppula, I'm going to lose my shit. Oh, I, God. I, I, I'll quit. That'll be the fucking end of Brotherly Puck. Daniel will retire, and I'll be on a beach in Maui somewhere. I will go to a full-time Blues fan, and we'll be all be happy. <laughs> yeah, fucking time to move. Like, uh, you know, whether it's Eric Carlson or Subban or, or, or fucking anybody, just bring in somebody that's going to make a difference. Yeah. You know, you, I fucking... Colin Miller, because his fucking analytics are good, you don't need it. You don't need a, just another guy out there. You need some legit talent, and same goes with the forwards. The forwards are deep, and you add a couple guys here and there. I mean, you add a second-line center, and you add a legitimate depth guy. That's a competitive roster, you know, and you still have room for maybe a prospect or two if they're ready, even though I think most of them, if not all, will be with the Phantoms. You know, you just just can't, you can't settle. You can't have the Ron Hextall, well, nothing looked right thing. Yeah, just fucking build me a roster that's going to be competitive. For fuck's sake, I want to watch some good hockey. God 
damn it, it's been so long since the Flyers have been good. When was the last time you had fun watching the Flyers? Probably that 2012, 2012. series where they That's annihilated the Penguins. I can think of where I was excited for more than a couple games at a time. Yep. Uh, fuck. They had a fun team, man. They did. It was great, and it was fun, and they were talented, and they were ready, and they were competitive, and my God, they were fun. Now it's like we go out there and they get stomped in the first round and you got Voracek turning the puck over because it's fucking analytics, man. Oh, God. They're boring. They're they're boring. <sighs> they're, they're lifeless. I mean, it literally is just Claude Giroux and now, and now Couturier, you know? Yeah, like, it's there, Giroux there's Couturier carrying the whole fucking team. Yep. Nobody brings anything else to the table. You know, maybe connect me a little bit. You know, he, he likes the math off. but I, I, And as much as I do love that kind of stuff, Someone's going to have to stick up for him because he's not going to be beating anybody up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, And they lack that. So he can only talk so much shit before someone's like, all right, dude, drop him. And, and you know he will, but it may not end right for him. It just feels like there's no chemistry amongst, yeah. especially the forwards. It's just, it's just a group of guys uh-huh. going yeah. out there and skating around. You know, and, and that's the biggest thing. Going back to the 2012 team, you had the, you know, Giroux and Hartnell and Voracek, that top line, the Ginger Genocide line. God, they were great. <laughs> what that was there? fucking fun to watch. Yeah. You had fucking Yager with Giroux there for a while. And, you know, <laughs> they were, they, there was chemistry. I remember going back to this year's preseason. I made the comment that Van Reems, like didn't look like he fit with anybody. You know, and he didn't for most of the season. There was that one game when Couturier got injured, I believe it was against the Sabres, and he played with Giroux and Konechny, and he looked good for, like, a game. And then he mm-hmm. fell off the planet again to, like, the last ten games of the season when he looked good, and he finally was playing well. It's like there was no chemistry amongst anybody. Granted, how can you form chemistry when Gordon Haxtell changed the lineup every single game? Right. You know, I'm not a mathematician here or anything, but how many fucking possible line combos can you make out of those 12 forwards? Because they probably tried almost every single one at some point or another. <laughs> you, you can't build chemistry just throwing shit in the wall and hoping it sticks. You know, they did that with, uh, Dave Haxtell did that with Couturier and Giroux. And it worked, obviously, because they're two fucking phenomenal players. But it hasn't worked any other time. You got to go out there and find some talent to give them something to actually play with rather than just move the same old shit around. Inject some life into this fucking team. This isn't that hard, people. The Flyers have the cap space. They have the, you know, the 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 the, the draft picks, the fucking players, the everything to make the trades if you want to. God, this it shouldn't be this hard. Build me a fucking competitive hockey team. <laughs> <sighs> fucking shit I need a drink fucking fucking fuck 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 gonna have to make this one fucking explicit fucking. now <sighs> <laughs> oh well who cares people are gonna listen to it anyway cause we're great it's more fun that way anyway <laughs> <laughs> you know it Jim don't laugh <laughs> I'm Dan the Flyer fan damn it I can fucking People flock to me. Except Ted, he's not going to like me. <laughs> People flock to me. <laughs> That's okay, I don't think <laughs> can, can you change your handle? Dan, the people flock to me, fans. Please. I'll do it right now. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, this fucking Skype thing out of the way. Dan, Dan, the number one Sam Moran fan, is no more. Dan, Dan the... 
Damn the people flock to the fan. And possible, possible title of the episode there? <laughs> I think so. People flock people to me. Flock to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ow, my fucking cat just cramped up. Ow, fucking Jesus. Are we still in the show? <laughs> I'll just knock yes. my computer off the table. Holy fuck. <laughs> fucking calf cramped. People are people. Flocked. Only Dan can hurt himself. <laughs> I was enjoying Dan. the name change so much that my leg almost fell off. Dan the Charlie Horse fan. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Well, we survived the storms today, people. The shit storm that was coming that even brian <laughs> analyzed hell yeah that was the strangest fucking picture <laughs> we're, we're gonna throw this picture of brown mist and hope you guys can figure out what the hell that I, means. I was very confused i mean we were under a uh, uh, severe thunderstorm advisory which never fucking happened they're like oh you're gonna get quarter-sized hail and tornadoes then i think it rained for about five minutes and nothing's happened since so and that was it we got thunderstorms out here for a little bit. No, not here. We got them. Thirty chairs. Oh, I was watching the radar. It looks like a lot of them went north of here, but I was like, "Oh, right, fantastic. We didn't get anything." But they were predicting doom and a parent yeah. shitstorm, and nothing happened. So hmm. uh, I we're supposed to get tornadoes out here in Kansas for the next like week, so that'll be fun. Oh, good. Well, don't die. We're gonna need you on this guest zone. Uh, I will try my hardest. <laughs> <laughs> I need a damn writer every now and again. I need a guest host here can't die uh-huh. you're gonna need to replace jim one day when he fucking drinks himself to death on the air <laughs> he's gonna drink the beer and it's not gonna agree with him and then that's the end of that hey speaking of uh not dying in six months crohn's remission over here i'm pretty excited about that wow yeah that's awesome congrats man thanks hope that didn't fuck up the audio too bad that's awesome <laughs> yeah so i can actually have a drink a couple months ago i was wasn't possible so that's pretty exciting. So you're telling me we can actually drink on the show and that's a possibility? Yes, oh, and not die. Right. Maybe this isn't the season finale, everybody. <laughs> maybe we have one more episode left in us here. May have to. Maybe we can always come back at the end of the playoffs and dissect what happened. And we can cry about fucking Brain Shen winning the cup. Maybe yeah. this isn't the end, everybody. We'll wait and see how I'm feeling in a couple of weeks. Hmm. But uh, maybe it's not the end of the show for now, but it is the end for this episode here. Uh, let's start getting some plugs on. Jim? I got, let me see. We just did a show Tuesday with Jack on HW Radio. Uh, we're going to be on next Tuesday, HW Radio, me and Jack. And that's it. <laughs> okay. All right. Ryan? Um, keep an eye out on Brotherly Puck. That's at Brotherly Puck on Twitter. I'm going to be doing a little article about why you all should love Braden Point and why he's the probably the best target for the 2C position this offseason. Um, otherwise, follow me at WX underscore Adams for lukewarm hockey takes and anything else I feel like tweeting out when I'm drinking. <laughs> lukewarm. Lukewarm hockey takes. This is the anger negative show. We only deliver hot takes here. <laughs> <laughs> Like angry, fine. drunk, or negative takes. Hell yeah! We, oh man, we are gonna drink. I, you know what? <laughs> we, we we're gonna come back drink. for the Stanley Cup final, everybody. I, I'm making the executive executive decision now. We're doing one more episode before the draft. Drunk. Get ready, Jim. Do it. We're gonna drink. Maybe we'll get <laughs> Mike and Brian back on that one too, just for a complete cluster fuck of an episode. Oh, it'll be great. God, that'll be great. Oh, 
I don't know how I'm going to put the show together. I'll be so fucking wasted. Oh, well, that'll be fine. <laughs> we'll figure that out. Um, I can't see my plugs here. Where are they? Uh, I'm at Dan the Flyer, a fan. You can follow the site at Brotherly Puck. This show, as well as all the other shows, at Brotherly underscore pod, uh, at National Puck, and at National Pod Net. The network continues to grow. I believe we're at 10 shows now. We're in constant discussions with new ones, so the site continues to grow. If you want to write about your favorite NHL team, if you want your NHL podcast featured on the network, you can DM uh, at National Puck, at National Pod Net, DM me. Either way, I'll get it. Email me at brotherlypuck at gmail.com. Uh, listen to the most recent episode of the OMB Puckcast at OMB Puck. We had uh, guest Anthony DeMarco on, and we had a great Flyers debate, which I won, spoiler alert, because mm-hmm. I'm fucking great at what I do. Uh, Brotherly Puck and National Puck both on Facebook as well. I don't have any of the links off the top of my head, and I don't update them regularly, but yeah, it's on Facebook. Uh, uh, oh, since we may not be doing a show and I may not be in the mental state next time, uh, I do want to make the announcement now. I can't give away too much. I don't have too much details, but there will be a fourth show added to the Brotherly Pod umbrella here. So that one will, uh, more details will come as they happen, but it is in the makings now. So that'll be fun. More details to come on that. Until next time, this is the Anger Negative Show. We will be hopefully back, maybe. If not, we'll be back for the draft. We'll figure something out, everybody. Maybe we'll get drunk at the draft. My God. Oh, we're going to go to the draft now. The Flyers selected this player here with the 11th <laughs> overall pick. God, that'll be great. I can't wait. That'll be awesome. I got something to say about this fucking pick you guys made. <laughs> They didn't trade the pick and they kept it. Now we have fucking somebody that I've never heard of and I'm going to watch some highlight reels and God damn it, everybody's going to say he's great because they watch some fucking five-minute highlight reels. Woohoo, man, this guy's great. I've never heard of him in my fucking life, but he's great now. Woohoo! Five more fucking years of mediocrity. Yeah! God damn it. <laughs> fucking A, man. Fucking A. God. I don't know what I'm going to do without this show over the summer. And it's, it's great. I get it off my chest every week. It's not going to end. Maybe it won't. Just keep it going. I need this show. We're going to need to review food or something for the weeks in the summer. Hmm. We'll figure something out. Maybe it's not the end of the angry and negative show. The the angry and and negative show. Jesus fucking Christ. Can't pronounce my own show. Uh, But yeah, until next time, which will probably be in a couple weeks, uh, we will see you then. Goodbye and good night.